Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Madison Marriage works at the Financial Times and has a very specific beat. I cover tax and accounting as a correspondent for the FT. But earlier this year, she broke a story that reverberated around the world. Yeah, we were getting requests from, I think, pretty much every country under the sun. You will have heard of it. Madison revealed the sleazy goings-on of the President's Club fundraising event, provoking shock and disgust from all corners of the globe. On the way, there were hidden recorders, lucky breaks, and late-night stakeouts. But the story doesn't start there. I'm Maeve McLennigan. This is The Tip-Off. It started with a, a WhatsApp message. A friend of mine who I had dinner with the night before sent me a message um, quite early in the morning before I was about to go to work, which said something along the lines of, I might have a story for you. Intrigued, Madison fired back a message asking for more details. And she said, have you heard of this thing called the President's Club? The friend texting Madison worked as a hostess at fancy events all over the capital. But according to the word on the circuit, this one was different. She said, uh, you know, the word amongst the other hostesses I've spoken to is that it's absolutely awful. Um, women are treated really badly. And, uh, you know, it might be worth taking a closer look. Now, the name, the President's Club, didn't ring any bells. And for good reason. When Madison sat down at her computer to start searching for the name online, she found barely anything. So I started trying to research it, which was tricky initially because there isn't a huge amount in the public domain. I, um, you know, had a little Google. Little by little, she found out more, including some big names that seemed to have attended in previous years. If the atmosphere inside was as toxic as her friend suggested it was, it would be interesting to see who was on the guest list this year. So, a few weeks after that initial WhatsApp message, excited, Madison laid out her thoughts in an email to Paul Murray, the FT's investigations editor. You could see immediately that this was dynamite. Um, I mean, I was stunned myself. I've, I've been, you know, writing about the city for, you know, a number of decades now, and I'd never heard of this event at all. I found that stunning that a dinner... Um, attended by people of this, um, businessmen of this caliber had remained almost completely secret for more than 30 years. 
you know, as soon as Madison came with the story, it was a case of how do we progress this? The first thing to do was to get the rest of the Financial Times' editors on board. This wasn't their usual type of story. And it was going to take some deep discussions to work out if they could continue. I must say there was a lot of umming and eyeing within the FT. You know, some people thought this was um, really not the sort of thing we should be digging into. Some sensitivity. You know, it, 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 you know at the outset it perhaps looked like a kind of sensationalist story. Uh, a bit sleazy. From my perspective, um, it uh, it was it very kind of clearly illustrated the the way that kind of the objectification of women is still ingrained in business and financial culture. So it's an important story. At this point, it was early December. Madison and editor Paul knew the event was normally held in mid January. So the race was on to get a plan in place. It became pretty clear straight away that we'd have to approach this in what for the FT would be an unusual manner. You know, it's it's kind of clear to us that in the age of Trump, wherever possible, we need to harvest um, firm evidence, tangible evidence of stuff that we're writing about. Because we live in this world where you know, a reputable news um, media company can report something as fact and the subject of that fact can just go on the radio the next morning and deny it and just say it's all made up. They knew that if the allegations of sleazy behaviour were true, then asking the organisers or attendees was unlikely to produce the evidence they needed. Who would whistleblow on something they were actively taking part in? No, the solution was going to be something else going undercover. Madison um, volunteered straight away to go in there herself, and so we had to put a team together to back her up. So it was on. But for Madison, this was all new. She hadn't done any undercover work before, and this was bound to be an assignment unlike any other. First, it was going to take a bit of preparation. Yes, um, created a fake CV, and... um a semi-fake name <laughs> and a semi-fake CV. I mean, I think if you are, it's easier to um, talk convincingly about something the closer to the truth it is. So, um, you know, I, I used lots of details which are quite genuine from my own CV, but obviously threw in a load of hostessing work that I've never done before. <laughs> um, and that, that, you know, that was true. I spent a huge amount of time actually memorizing that um, from start to finish because I knew that it would be um, poured over in detail in the interview. Once that was ready, it was a case of applying to be a hostess at the event. To do that, she needed to provide headshots, which she did, and after a wait and some follow-up requests from the head of the agency. I think I'd actually got a text from her on New Year's Eve or near to New Year's Eve saying, I really urgently need better photos from you. Madison got the news. She had an interview. It was one of the strangest interviews I've ever done in my life. So I'd been in the office in the daytime and I'd definitely, I'd gone and made Paul give me a mock interview earlier that day because um, I was nervous of bungling it. Um, I think you could tell how nervous I was. 
Madison was due to meet the hostess agency representative at a private members club. In Mayfair, um, which I'd never been to before, so I got the tube there from the office. Um, and I, mean, I got out at Green Park, it was a 10 minute walk, and um, I was so nervous, I was really, really nervous. <laughs> so walking in, um, I obviously didn't know who uh, Caroline, the woman who runs Artista is, or um, what she looked like. and there was a queue of people huddling in the doorway, kind of waiting to be seated. Inside the swanky private club, Madison tried to keep her nerves in check. She was wearing an audio recording device hidden within her clothes, and already the noise in the club had her worried. But there was no time to panic. I looked across to the right, where there was this darkened room, and um, I could see quite a glamorous-looking lady. Um, sat at the far end with a computer and a few documents out, so I assume maybe that's her. So I walked over and said Caroline, and um, she said my undercover name. Trying her best to play it cool, Madison couldn't help the redness spreading across her cheeks. And B, it was really hot. It was December. Um, there was a roaring fire in the corner of the room, and I was really stressed and nervous. And I just remember the heat and feeling like my whole face was sweating, and I was not making a good impression at all. Let's just pause here. We'll leave Madison sat in front of the roaring fire, trying to remember her fake backstory. There had been a lot of work up until this point. The FT hadn't jumped into undercover lightly. There had been a lot of boxes to get checked first. Meanwhile, in the background, the kind of, um, there were all sorts of meetings underway here with the lawyers, with the editor, um, because, you know, in common with other newspapers, our, our code of conduct um, specifically rules out secret recording of audio or video unless, crucially, it's in the public interest. And this clearly ticked all the public interest boxes for very obvious reasons. Can I, I think maybe it's worth just adding on the public interest front that what made it very concrete in our minds is we had feedback from multiple former hostesses, all of whom said the same thing, that it was a meat market, that women are badly treated, um, and you know, constant refrains from different women saying, do not work at this event. Okay, now that's sorted, back to that job interview. Madison had wrapped up her session in the Mayfair Club. She'd been a bit shaky, but nothing that couldn't be passed off as interview nerves. But then the weeks go by, and there's no word from the agency. Had she got the job? Was she going to get into the event? If she didn't get this position, then how on earth could they get the story? Everything went very quiet. So again, I was like, oh dear, you know, either they figured out I'm not who I say I am, or the photos aren't good enough, or you know, any number of problems could have hindered the whole thing. Um, and I, I was kind of bugging Paul, saying, you know, should I send a follow-up email? Do you think, um, you know, do you think they're onto me? <laughs> What's, um, is there a problem here? And is the whole thing about to slip through our fingers? The days passed nothing but then and then the week before the event we got there was an email i think towards a thursday or friday saying just to confirm you are definitely working next week and you'll receive detailed itineraries on monday or tuesday so that was a relief it had been confirmed madison was going to be able to get into the event so the race was on to get everything else ready on time now, that email had told Madison that she was going to have to wear an outfit she would be given on the day. That complicates things. 
If you're trying to record video undercover, you need to be incredibly careful about the clothing you wear to ensure the camera blends into the outfit. If she was going to have to change there, then that was out of the question. So it was going to have to be audio recording only. But that had implications. Without visuals, Madison was going to be alone in trying to identify who was there. We basically went through a process, uh, Madison and myself went through a process of um, drawing up a list of possible attendees, um, basically by, you know, looking at friendship groups, um, you know, the fact we knew it was heavily tilted towards the property sector, so, you know, out came the kind of power property, power 100, which is mainly men. Um, from the outset, we knew that going into this, we were going to, uh, uh, the biggest challenge was actually going to be identifying who was there. We were going to have to do a lot of face spotting on the night. So Madison spent hours and hours staring at faces and names, trying to memorise a whole list of possible attendees that she might see on the night. And then it was D-Day, the day of the event. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Now, Madison wouldn't be completely on her own. The FT had a kind of SWAT team ready on the outside. A colleague, Barney Thompson, and myself, who were going to be, um, you know, dressed up as diners, even if we weren't invited. And we had another couple of colleagues, uh, Cynthia and Sarah in the Dorchester, you know, ready to be at the Dorchester in the in the open public bars. And we also set up um, a long lens um, operation with our guys sitting on a little hill in uh, Hyde Park. So while the team gets set up, 
Madison is off into the lion's den. It's time to go inside. Um, so you had to arrive at the Dorchester at four, um, and then the evening officially kicked off at eight, so there's a kind of four-hour gap, um, most of which was filled with kind of women getting ready, doing their hair, there was makeup artists, um, hairstylists, uh, kind of chatting, um, swapping stories, a bit of gossip, you know, what are we, what's going to happen tonight? It immediately became apparent that this was a highly choreographed event, and that the organisers were taking no chances of anything getting out to the public. When she arrived to get her dress, Madison had to hand in her mobile phone. It would be locked away until the event was over. Oh, and the dress. Uh, been told in the in advance, I think, in my interview that it, it wasn't that bad. Um, it was kind of mid-thigh and um, that there'd be a kind of sheer bit at the top. And um, I can remember when, uh, you know, people were going to collect their dresses at different times. So the, the first woman who walked into the room who got changed into her dress um, looking at, at it and my mouth just dropping um, and catching the eye of uh, uh, the other hostess who was working with us and um, her mouthing back at me, oh my God. It was incredibly tight-fitting. I think the thing that made it most uncomfortable for me actually were these strange belts that they um, attached to them. The, dr uh, the dress itself was, yeah, it was short and it was tight and it, was, um, it had these kind of sheer panels at the front and back. Um, but they had these thick faux leather um, black belts that looked a bit like a corset and um, they were clearly designed to kind of hug everything in in the middle and accentuate curves and um, uh, they just looked tasteless and tacky. So outfit on, Madison had to carefully make sure the recording device was concealed in the unforgiving outfit. Uh, it's kind of small thing about the size and shape of a pound coin. And then it was on with the show. There was a dress rehearsal for the moment that um, all the women enter there was a kind of back um, corridor staircase area. You had to go down two flights of stairs and through this kind of labyrinth of changing rooms for the Dorchester staff, um, which were absolutely grim. Um, you know, they were kind of smelly and dirty and dingy. And um, so that's where you, that, and you had to do that walk every time you wanted to go to the toilet or, um, yeah, get changed. Um, so headed down there, got into the, uh, dress and heels and then came back up and there was a pep talk and um, a kind of bit more milling around uh, until um, the evening formally began. And then it was time. The event was on. Well-dressed men started to arrive. The hostesses were told to line up and as the opening chords of, ironically, Power by Little Mix boomed out of the speakers, they walked out into the hall. So there she is, Madison in the main hall, smiling as guests filtered in and make their way to their tables. Uh, it's in the ballroom of the Dorchester, which is a huge room. Um, I can't remember, if for some reason everything it felt very black, so I don't know if they had actually covered it with um, kind of black material. I just got this really strong memory of it um, feeling very dark. Uh, there were cars in... Um, in the far kind of left hand and right hand side, so um, uh, sports cars, uh, I'm not a car expert, but what looked like Range Rovers, um, and two really long uh, trestle tables, which were the um, the main two tables, and then lots of circular tables dotted around. I think there was about 23 tables in total. Um, and then there was the stage where the women would make their entrance and where there were 
uh, kind of entertainment acts throughout the rest of the evening. Upon the stage, looking down at a sea of tuxedoed men and scantily dressed hostesses, was comedian David Williams, there to host the event. Crowded around huge, lavishly dressed tables were more than 300 men. Amongst the entertainment acts was a burlesque troupe, dressed like Queen's guards with large furry hats, only star-shaped stickers covering their nipples. As Madison wandered around the room, she couldn't help but think about the recording device hidden in her clothing. I wasn't, I wasn't too nervous of it switching off. I think the biggest concern was if the background noise was too loud and we knew we'd be in a big room with what, 500 people and music and events and um, plates and glasses clanging that um, that could attract, affect the audio quality. Um, uh, if I'm honest, once, once it got underway, it kind of wasn't the first thing on my mind. As she surveyed the room, she desperately tried to remember as many names and faces as she could. So I was kind of wandering around looking a little bit um, crazy, kind of talking to myself loudly whenever I saw place names, because I thought that would be the best way to um, remember, or kind of going to the toilet every now and again and muttering ten names to myself. <laughs> um, so that the initial plan was to try and... Um, for the outs external team and the kind of face spotters, my colleagues, to um, get enough kind of photo and video images to um, identify who the attendees were post-event. And meanwhile, with me on the inside, I could memorise or um, dictate the names of people on the dinner on the seating plan. Around her, Madison became all too aware that some of her fellow hostesses were feeling uncomfortable. Some later complained of men repeatedly putting hands up their skirts. One said an attendee had exposed his penis to her during the evening. One guest in his 70s asked a 19-year-old hostess if she was a prostitute. I've never done this before and I'm never doing it again, she later told Madison. It's fucking scary. By 10pm it was time for the auction. Host of Channel 5's Major League Baseball show, Johnny Gould, took his place as auction host on the main stage. Welcome to the most un-PC event of the year, he boomed to the crowd. Auction prizes included a night at a strip club and a course of plastic surgery suggested to add spice to your wife. And throughout the night, Madison would keep seeing creepy things, like men who would grab the hostess's hands and not let go. I, just, I keep repeating this. If, if I was in a restaurant with a friend who started holding a waitress's hand, I would say to them, what on earth do you think you're doing? It would be completely bizarre. And it's not okay. And then Madison experienced some unpleasant things herself. I've kind of held back from going into too much detail about later, but yeah, there was at least uh, three men who... Uh, grope me in other ways. But not everyone there was a creep. One of the strangest stories for me was the table I was initially kind of waiting on. Um, there was a guy there who was quite nice to chat to, very normal, uh, but he was unusual because he hid his place name and he wouldn't say what sector he worked in or um, what his name was. By contrast, most other men in that room were more than happy to say what they did, who they worked for how much money they're planning to spend that night, um, you know, it was a bragging opportunity, whereas this guy seemed really furtive. 
you know, right at the beginning of the night as all the women were streaming out and the announcements were being um, made on the loudspeakers, he kind of turned to me and said, Christ, is this 1975? I think at this point they started announcing, uh, you know, special thanks to blah blah for their support for the President's Club and special thanks to blah blah for uh, contributing this car. And there was a kind of roll call of um, people who were involved with the evening and he kind of again turned to me and said i can't believe anyone would want to have their name out loud on one of these loudspeakers and i said you know why or you know what's wrong with that and he said well who knows how many tabloid editors are in the room um which uh yeah kind of had to hide a smile anyway later transpired he's a vice chancellor of a university in the north of england and he's put out a statement saying you know i was there that night and i did speak to the hostess who has since transpired as a the undercover reporter from the FT. So he was uh, he was on the nicer side of the behaviour, um, and he clearly did feel uncomfortable there. And um, and I know that there were other men in the room who were making similar comments to some other hostesses. You know, I've got a daughter your age, or you know, are you okay? And, you know, the fact that some of the guests were asking the women, "Are you all right with this?" I think it's quite telling. Outside the ballroom, Paul is waiting nervously in the foyer, with no idea what Madison is experiencing inside. Being uh, just outside the ballroom in the in the public bar area you could you know you could really sense the testosterone i mean this was i've been to probably dozens of black tie events in or around park lane the grosvenor the dorchester hilton etc and this was completely unlike anything i'd been to before so yes we were nervous we were excited and then there was a breakthrough paul's with another ft journalist barney thompson they were dressed up smart and hanging about the entrance of the event. There was heavy security on the doors, but at one point the bouncers were distracted and spotting his chance, Barney slipped past them. He was inside. As he walked in, he was very kindly handed um, a list of attendees, which short-circuited our work for the evening. Across the hall, Madison was scanning the room and was shocked to see Barney stood on the other side. There was one moment that most of the hostesses were ushered out um, at about 10 o'clock before a, the charity auction kicked off. And so you're all kind of filing out in a big crocodile line. And as I was filing out, I spotted him in there and just caught each other's eye and gave each other a wink and kept on going because we obviously couldn't acknowledge each other. The auction brochure Barney had been given was a godsend. It contained the guest list with all the names of the people who were supposed to be in attendance. And it had all the auction prizes on offer. The details would provide incredible colour in Madison's articles. Barney, Paul and the rest of the team headed back to their base camp in a nearby hotel. The rest of us had, um, had um, you know, kind of regrouped uh, back at the nearby Inter Intercontinental Hotel where we had our HQ for the evening. And, um, you know, we were able to enjoy a, a gin and tonic because by that time we had the guest list. But for Madison, the night wasn't over yet. The auction is at 10. Uh, most of the hostesses were in the kind of backstage um, room. Uh, they were fed snacks of kind of quavers, cheesy quavers and uh, dairy milk chocolate. <laughs> and it's, 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 it was um, a kind of a strange um, juxtaposition between the kind of the glamour and expense of the room next door and then meanwhile backstage kind of cheap crisps and chocolates um then head back out again at 11 for the last hour of the main event and then at midnight um there's a after party which is in a separate room um which goes on until 2 a.m and um the vast majority of the women were um 
have been hired to work through till 2am, although, uh, you know, once there were no more kind of tables to be served, it wasn't very clear what the role was at the after party. In that kind of interim period, were people voicing a grievance, you know, their grievances about the yes. behaviour of people? So yeah. you were hearing from them? Yeah, multiple, multiple, multiple. What kind of things were they saying? It was, a, yeah, it's, so, you know, one woman who'd been asked directly whether she was a prostitute and would accompany someone upstairs and um, she directed that man towards uh, someone else who was widely assumed by the hostesses to potentially be a prostitute. Um, there was um, a woman who had been told by one of the men at her table, you know, you're sleeping in my room tonight. Um Another woman who had been asked, uh, in fact, multiple women who had been asked if they'd go upstairs or, um, or it had been, I mean, even I, one man had said to me, you know, by the way, I've got a room upstairs and I, and I hear things get really wild later. Um, kind of hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Finally, after hours on her feet, squeezed into a tiny dress, body tense from dodging unwanted groping, brain sore from trying to memorize everything she'd seen, Madison was done. So, had to uh, go and get changed, um, hand in the dress, get um, my phone back, and then headed back to our kind of base camp. Um, so yeah, up until that point, I hadn't been able to communicate with any of our team. Um, so I didn't even know that, yeah, we had the auction brochure and the guest list. But this, I think everyone else, it was just Paul left by this point, and we basically kind of had a, um, a debrief, um, talked about what had happened, um, and uh, I think that we finally, you called it a day at three. Yep. Um, I stayed in that hotel. <laughs> it was just easier than going home and then going into the office the next morning. Um, so I had about four hours sleep and then headed in. You know, my shift started there at four. I didn't really finish till 2.30. Got back to the hotel at three, probably wrapped up at three, 3.30. Um, uh, and I've been working since 10 in the morning. So I was, yeah, I was knackered. It had been an incredibly long day. But the story wasn't over yet. The morning after the night before, and the adrenaline of the night had given way to a realisation of the scale of the job in front of them. Right, well, the next morning we knew that we had to, we had a lot of work to do. We had, um, we had a lot of people uh, to contact and we had to decide when we contacted them. Um, remember, you know, with a story like this, you've got senior editors involved directly. You have the lawyer, you know, there full time. All the hostesses, including Madison, had had to sign non-disclosure agreements that evening. Um, now we were we were of the opinion that these NDAs stood for nothing because we Madison had witnessed what's kind of effectively criminal behaviour firsthand. But um, from a um, publishing perspective, we knew we were on risk of some sort of legal attack from one, of the, one or more of the really quite wealthy and well-connected men in the room on the night. And so while going through the normal um, steps of um, putting questions to those who'd attended on the night, we had to avoid showing our hand. It was going to be a big job putting these allegations to everyone they knew had attended. 
questions went out to quite a, scores of, um, of people. I think we asked, we said, um, you know, we understand that you uh, were on the guest list for this event last week. Can you confirm whether you attended? And um, we also understand that a number of the hostesses working at the event were sexually harassed. Um, can you comment? And then, pretty quickly, the responses came in. Uh, the reply, most of the replies came in the form of lawyers' letters, uh, which, again, were dealt with through the day. And there was a lot of research to be done, filling in the blanks of the histories of those who had attended. I guess there's 360 names. Now, some of those names are very public figures who so immediately knew um, who they were, especially if they had a sir or MBE attached to them. But there are lots of names of very uh, well-known people, but who are not immediately kind of household names that you could just write off. So we had to basically research and pull together a database of every attendee and every table and every company there. So that was a kind of really big um, journalistic effort, which had lots of hands on deck for. Um, and then uh, we also had to do the writing um, and kind of multiple drafts of the story. Um, which uh, Paul and I, I, I was in the office. Uh, so the event was on a Thursday, you know, work late Friday. I was, I came into the office all day Saturday. Paul and I were both working from home all day Sunday. Um, by Monday, we had our first drafts. That needed a lot of honing and tweaking and, you know, legal questions. And um, I think it must have been through, I don't know, six or seven editors' hands by the time the, we had the final version. And finally... Finally, it was time to take a deep breath and hit publish. It ran online on Tuesday evening. I think we published at about 6.30 and then it was in, um, it was on Wednesday morning's front page. And then it just blew up. Yeah, it started to blow up on the Tuesday night, if I'm honest. I have never had that level of Twitter activity on my feed before. Um, uh, yeah, and there's a huge um, kind of maelstrom of emails and calls and texts and um, yeah. Um, so the evening that we published, um, I went to news nights to talk about it. Were you surprised by what you found there? I mean, you'd, you'd obviously been told they're going to be annoying. You're being paid a couple hundred quid or more for this. I mean, did you did you not think that that's what you're going to get? A bunch of drunk rich men who are going to grab you? Yeah, we were getting requests from, I think, pretty much every country under the sun. It was the perfect story for the perfect moment. After a year when the Me Too movement had brought conversations about sexual harassment out into the open, the fact that this kind of event was still happening in the heart of London and under the premise of raising money for charity was shocking. I don't think it would have had the same reception even necessarily 12 months ago, I think. There's obviously... Um, you know, the Me Too movement and the Harvey Weinstein um, scandal has uh, meant that this is, you know, a really important time for exposing um, kind of institutionalized harassment of women. Um, and I think there was just a huge amount of... I've had some people say to me, I'm not shocked, and other people say, I'm totally appalled. And I think there was a real kind of mix amongst women working in business of both feeling like stunned that this kind of thing can still be happening today, but equally not so surprised because I think they have also seen that kind of seedier side of things over the years. I think they just thought it was probably all but eliminated, but no, it's still going on. The day after Madison's story broke, organisers of the President's Club said the event would be closing down. Guests rushed to distance themselves from the sleazy goings-on. The charity the night was raising money for, Great Ormond Street Hospital, so they'd hand back the donations. 
Theresa May's spokesperson said she was appalled about the allegations of what had taken place. And the education minister, Nadine Sahawi, who had been in attendance at the night, was given a dressing down. David Williams, who hosted the event, said, I was there in a strictly professional capacity and not as a guest. I left immediately after I'd finished my presenting on stage at 11.30pm. I did not witness any of the kind of behaviour that allegedly occurred, and I'm absolutely appalled by the reports. It was a huge story, and a reaction Madison could never have expected when she first got that WhatsApp message on a cold November morning. That's all for this episode of The Tip Off. The show is hosted and produced by me, Maeve McClendon, with production support from Chica Ayres. Our theme song is by Dice Meeks. Other music in this episode by The Losers, Blue Dot Sessions, and Poddington Bear. Next time on The Tip Off. And I said, all I can tell you is that if it was my son, I would want people to know that he was more than that. The Guardian's Gary Young starts out on a long-term project with heartbreaking findings. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm.